Welcome, welcome to Beatitudes Radio. We are live podcasting, and I am accompanied by my partner, Janelle Taphorn. Welcome. Hi. Hi. I'm, man, I'm glad I didn't wear my necklace. I had one just like that. that Did you? Oh, yeah, that had been awkward if I had worn mine. That yeah, been... we would have not. I'm glad you didn't either. Yeah, yeah, you I had know. a tie earlier. What happened to that? I don't know. Someone took it. We're not formal enough here. Not formal enough. And our producer, Charity Gleason Davis. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Did you have your coffee? Yes, I did. So you think you can keep up with us? I don't know. Or us keeping up with you? That would be the bigger question, huh? I'm not sure. But I'm energized and ready to go. Good. I had two cups this morning. Ooh. Look so out. for those of you who perhaps this is your first time listening or watching us at Beatitudes Radio, what we are doing is because of the Christmas season, we are focusing upon the Christmas story, as you find in Matthew chapter one and uh, I'm sorry, chapter one and chapter two yes. and Luke chapter one and two. Mm-hmm. So the, for the first two weeks, we did chapters one and then we did chapter two of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter one. And we, in particular, are going to be focusing on Mary's song. The Magnificent. The Magnificent. Beginning in verse 46, Mm -hmm. going all the way through verse 56. Why did we choose that this week? Because you said to. Oh, right. Yeah. This was all my idea. (laughs) Aren't you the one that said, uh, as we were going through our pre-game show, you were saying, like, uh, I really like the song. That was my favorite part. That's why we're doing it. Okay, great, thanks. Yeah. Yay. Okay, so <laughs> I'm just you go ahead and lead then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want me doing that. Uh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but you know what's amazing to me is about uh, Luke chapter one and the Magnificat, mm-hmm. or what I would call Mary's song, is this is one of those stories. Uh, not story, but one of these um, pieces of of writing mm-hmm. that can be read in very many different ways. It okay. can be read in a very literalistic 21st century view. Okay. It could be read from a spiritualized point of view. Uh-huh. And then it could be read as a combination of both what its original meaning might have meant in the context in which it was written. Mm-hmm as well as then taking that and looking at it for today. Academic. Yeah, academic, but yet practical academics. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when I was reading it, I thought there would be some people that would love to read, verse, for example, verse 52. Which is? Um, mm-hmm. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. I have lowly in my translation. Can you read it? Your verse 52? Sure. It, he has taken princes from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I've, if I remember correctly, I think back in 2016, mm-hmm. there were individuals who looked at verse 52 and believed that's exactly what was happening in the United States. What was happening at the time? The rulers were removed from their thrones, and the outsiders, the humble, were raised up. I don't think that anyone has ever accused Trump of being humble. 
No, maybe not Trump himself, but what Trump represented was the outsiders, those people that didn't fit into the elite of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So I think there were some people that they believed that God would had appointed Trump. and But I don't think it's unique to the United States. You could also find this in other countries where individuals believe that their gods have brought up a person to remember remember the humble, to help the humble. So I think that's one way people could look at this text is that sure if you're not if you despiritualize it ooh despiritualized explain what you mean by that well that depends on your interpretation you're going in a political direction with this mm-hmm. for me it's always been a spiritual um go to for me okay so how would you read i'm going to read uh verses 50 and through 53, All right. where it says, God's mercy extends to those who fear God from generation to generation. God has performed mighty deeds with God's arm. God has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. God has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. God has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. So how do you spiritualize that? To me, it's about how if you um, are praising God, you're worshiping what he's done and how awesome he is. Right. But how does what what about the idea of the rulers versus the humble? What about the idea of the poor versus the rich, the humble versus the proud? How do you spiritualize that? Hope. Uh, Explain. Well, for those that are oppressed. This is a song of hope that it will get turned around. So, but, but, but are you talking literally oppressed or are you talking spiritually oppressed? Because you're saying you're spiritualizing it. So if you're going to spiritualize it, mm-hmm. your consistency would be, what does it mean for you to be spiritually oppressed or spiritually humble? What does it mean to be spiritually oppressed? Or spiritually humble versus to be spiritually proud and rich what 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 difference does that make i don't know i think it's from um i'm not looking at it literally right i I agree you're looking at it spiritually so why can't you be um i don't know depressed or oh so if you're sad that would make your you're humble yeah and that someday you won't be sad or depressed yes okay Okay. If anybody else wants to comment on this, we mm-hmm. are taking questions and comments on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and also you can text in your questions at 480-389-4974. And Charity will be looking at those and sending them our direction, and we greatly appreciate your input. You know, Janelle, I, I, I used to also read it spiritually. And then what happened? Well, I started thinking. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, that's one of my mistakes. <laughs> okay. I mean, I used to think, you know, with the humble. So that meant that the humble, the spiritually humble are those who they're kind to other people. They don't brag about themselves. They don't uh right. uplift themselves. Why is that bad? Whereas the well, let me let me catch you. You'll catch it. Oh. So the humble are those with the big egos. They're the narcissists. Every, they always want everyone's attention. Um, they're the 
the people in the church who want everyone to look at them and do what they want. That's not humble. No, that's the proud. Okay, you said the humble. Right. So someday, <laughs> I'm sorry. So someday the humbled, those of us who just kind of, we're not quite doormats, but close to it. Ooh. Yeah, you know, we just, we're forgiving. We, we're serving others. Yeah. And so. And not wanting the glorification of right, that. Right, right. Like, not like the narcissist who wants all the attention on right. them all the time. Look right, what I did. Right. So then when I read this text, and then especially verse 52, that God will bring down the, the, the egotistical, the narcissist, Mm-hmm. from their spiritual thrones, mm-hmm. and then he's going to lift me up. So then I'm going to become the egotistical narcissist. So we're talking about distributive oppression. Right. So you're going to take off the narcissist and uh-huh. make them humble. Just switch it. Yeah. So what value is that spiritually? I mean, all of a sudden now <laughs> I get to be... I get to be the one that's the elite. I get to be the one that's uh, egotistical. So one for the other. Yeah. Is that what the text is talking about spiritually? That's where I had problems with it. (sighs) No. So. I didn't read it that way. So how did you read it? I've always felt it was a, a song, a canticle of hope for whatever the oppression is. So whatever, whenever you're oppressed, basically you know that things are going to be good. Yes. Oh, Charity, weigh in here, please. Well, I think that people often like to look at Mary as a very meek, quiet woman who sat there and went, oh, look how greatly blessed I have been. I do not deserve this, and this is what the song is. Yeah, and but... I, got, I got pregnant, didn't want to be, but now I am. <laughs> But this is Mary, there are interpretations where this is Mary as a strong woman saying, I'm going to face this. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm poor, I'm single, I'm pregnant, Mm -hmm. and this is going to allow me to, you know, be raised up. Like, this is her voice of strength rather than weakness. And gratitude. So what does that mean today? What is that? How do, how do you, if, if you take it that way, how, does, how do you see that giving any meaning to, to not just women, but men? And Help me out here. Well, the underlying hope, it, it doesn't have anything to do with gender. So the oppressed, that God will someday... See, I, man, I don't know how, how much you want me to play the... Devil's advocate. Yeah, because, (laughs) you know, I'm reading right now about Uh the long lines (laughs) of people that are waiting in line at food lines, food for food because of COVID. The people that are being, um, I just read where states and counties are suing people because they're behind on their rent. Mm -hmm. They're threatening to put them in jail because they're behind in their rent Mm -hmm. in the midst of COVID. These are the oppressed, mm-hmm. and I don't mean this in any sacrilegious way, but God ain't doing nothing. I mean, if I read the text, it says God has brought down the rulers, and he's lifted up the humble. I, I don't see that happening. Right. So, so how they does need, that, how does they that need give a them sense hope? of hope. So, okay, yeah. it's the same with Negro spirituals. Okay. Those songs. Yes. They sang, the slaves sang them to sustain them 
through the oppression. Isn't that what this is? Well, yes. I think that's one way. However, I think there's another way. And it's a way that is actually more troubling and more frustrating, more one of those where as soon as we start talking about it, people may not want to listen to it. Makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. Which yeah. is? Well, there, one individual said that the word humble is a fundamental part of this song. And mm -hmm. it may have Agreed. psychological overtones, so like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But it primarily, he says, refers to political and economic status. Another individual, his name is Bavan, he says, the Magnificat is one of the New Testament texts with the most strongly political and liberating content. <laughs> so what he's saying is this, is, this is, if we're going to read it, you in understand the context in which it's being, in which it was written and speaking of, the first century, it is political, it is economical, because the humble are the poor and the proud are the rich. Okay, so we're recasting this, the Magnificent from being Mary's song of gratitude and hope into something that seems very... Well, I, <laughs> unspiritual and unemotional, which is hard for me because I, I, I remember being pregnant yes. and reading this passage yes. and really took it to heart. I was weeping. Yes. Maybe it was the hormones. I don't know. <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> but for me, it was so meaningful. So I can't, I never went that direction. But when you were pregnant... <laughs> Did you resonate with the woman in Sudan who was also pregnant and was barely having anything to eat and the children that she already had were starving and she was scared to death that she might have this child? Her milk may not come in because she uh -huh. wasn't getting enough nutrition. Did you think about her and her, how she would have read this text? Maybe she read it with hope also. Hope? Her, she's been in this all of her life. She's watching her kids dying of starvation. Right. So that's why I think... But she needs something that would sustain her through that. So maybe she turns to the Magnificat. And what I would argue, before I make that argument, though, I want to ask Charity if someone else has an opinion on that's what we've yes. said so far. We do have one comment. Okay. Great. And uh, keep in mind that our, because we are live, we're actually a minute off, so sometimes some of these comments may seem a little backtracking, but we're about a minute ahead of you guys. So, okay. but we will go back. In the time of Jesus, the I am, he challenged the establishment and gave the lost a sense of being remembered and belonging. And a Mary was among them, and she is celebrating that. Wow. Yes. Yes, and, that was a great comment. And I think that according to what I have read, that Mary did not sing this song. What did you read? Uh, when you look at some of the evidence from biblical scholarship, this is a, a song that probably existed b uh, alone by itself mm -hmm. and then was brought in and added to the story. It's attributed to Mary, and it goes perfectly with the, what you just said, uh, this comment said, and that 
if you really want to talk what Jesus was about and how he was remembered by the community, the best way to do that is to have Mary talk about what Jesus was going to be before he was it. Mm -hmm. It's almost a, you're taking something that happened after the life of Jesus, a, a picture of, the, of Jesus after he's no longer here on this earth, mm -hmm. and it's brought back and put into the lips of Mary as if she is predicting it. So if that's the case, then one of the things to understand is the context in which the people were living under Rome during that period of time. Yes. And I think one of the things that was powerful was there is a, there's an article written and it compares the first succession of Rome and it's in Dionysius' narrative. And what he does is he talks about the situation some three to four hundred years before Jesus' time mm -hmm. about the first succession. And just to put it back, I mean, just to make it very quite simple, um, at that time when Rome went into to war, their soldiers were primarily the poor, the farmers. Right. So if you had to go fight, then what that meant was you had to leave your farms, you had to leave all of your family, and go off to battle. Well, who was going to take care of your crops? Who was going to plant them? Who was going to reap them? Uh, who, what was going to happen? So basically, they came back, and they may not have anything. So they would turn to the, to the government, said, hey, look, we just went to battle for you. Mm -hmm. Help us out. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, yeah, we will. We'll, we'll loan you some money. And they said, well, how are we going to pay you back if we got no crops to pay you? Mm-hmm. And then they ended up saying, well, then give us your land. And then they took their land from them. And then they made it even that much harder to pay them back. And then they said, well, what do we do now? Well, you can become our slaves. So now all of a sudden you went from the level of poverty. You have your, the aristocrats. Then you have the poor. Now you move into slavery. Mm -hmm. And now you're in trouble. And well, so, we use a version of that even today to stock our military in the United States. Yeah. We promise education and a ticket out of poverty in order to serve, but you not, might not make it back. And then it's, it's not exactly the same, but we still use a version of that today. Well, yes, but also I think it's, it, it, that is very applicable with what you just said, Charity, because there's people that go into the military that are given a skill that they can use later on in life. But how many people can be in the, uh, in the infantry and come back and use that in their day-to-day -day life? So really, they come back with no skill. Now, if they have a GI Bill, but how do they make a living while they're going to school? But the thing is, is like the United States, that's how they fund their military is by getting these poor kids that think that this is their ticket out. This is their training. This is their way to get education. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, and I think that... Yet so, it doesn't always help them in the long run. Yes, and so that's why Dionysus, what he ends up doing uh, in telling the story is he says that the plebes said, um, we're tired of this. We're going on strike. Uh -huh. <laughs> they literally got their stuff and left the city. Okay. Went up and lived on a mountain. And then the, the wealthy, the proud, the, the aristocrats realized... Um, we're not going to be able to live very much longer like this. So they compromised with them. 
And that continued to be this issue back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. The wealthy versus the poor. So bring in the magnificent. Because Mark, I mean uh, Mary in the in the Luke, uh, in the Luke, uh, the Mary song in Luke, and Dionysus employed the same Greek words. Okay. The rich and the proud. Yeah. And the hungry and the humble. And so this idea was not something that was foreign. It was something that those who were alive while Jesus was alive were well aware of. And it was also very well alive when the individual who wrote Luke actually wrote it. And so that's why they're saying is... Well, what was the purpose of sticking it in the story then? Because what they saw Jesus as Mm -hmm. was the one who started the revolution to bring about equality mm-hmm. and to move us from the, the wealthy versus the poor mm-hmm. and to bring that back into alignment. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the song was. So why have Mary sing it? Because Mary's the mother of Jesus. She's the closest one there is to him. She's the one that's linked with him. And so if Mary forecasts this, it foretells it, mm-hmm. then when you read the Gospel of Luke, that's what you're seeing. You're going, oh, this is what Jesus is about. This is what we're supposed to be watching for. And so to me, that's where taking this out of the context of spiritualizing it can make us today very, very uncomfortable because it's talking about the wealthy and it's talking about the poor. So I found an article in the Washington Post, and it's entitled, Mary's Magnificat in the Bible is Revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Some Evangelicals Silence Her. And oh. as a, I grew up evangelical, right. and of course I've read this, but not a lot of time was spent on it, because Mary is primarily, for lack of a better term, a Catholic hero, and the Protestants don't deal much with her. Mm-hmm. And so the author... You get back to the, the bottom. So, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor and theologian who was executed by the Nazis, called the Magnificat the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most re- revolutionary hymn ever sung. Revolutionaries, <laughs> the poor and the oppressed, all loved Mary, and they emphasized her glorious song. But the Magnificat has been viewed as dangerous by people in power. Some countries, India, Guatemala, Argentina, have outright banned the Magnificat from being recited in liturgy or in public. And in evangelicals, in particular white evangelicals, have devalued the role of Mary and her song to the point that she has almost been forgotten as anything other than a silent figure in a nativity scene. Wow. Yeah, because... What Mary's hope is, if we're really talking about hope, Mary's hope is that someday she won't be poor anymore. She won't be on the bottom. And I think one of the things that we miss out on here, too, is that this idea of humble is not only tied to poor, but one of the greatest needs in the first century was food. And if you didn't have food, you couldn't survive. 
And yet the wealthy controlled the food. What was interesting was, going back to Dionysus and what he was talking about, was that when the farmers came back, all their land, let's say their crops had been um, ruined or their crops had been burned, where do they find seeds to plant again? They got to go to the they got to go to the wealthy, and they're dependent upon the wealthy to give that to them. And this article that I found was fascinating. And listen to what this one quote he says in here: the contemporary econ economic exploitation of Mexican peasants by Mexican presidents, and by this is where it's going to start getting close to home, by wealthy Canadian and North American corporations presents a modern analogy to the economic situation described in Rome. So that the, they're literally, they're giving away, listen to this, instead of utilizing Mexico's natural resources to give social benefits to Mexicans, for example, to support farmers growing corn, to provide transportation, clean water, education, and jobs as the Mexican constitution mandates, Bacon affirms that the Mexican presidents are virtually giving away those natural resources and farmers' land to foreign, mostly North American corporations. So, I mean, I would agree with you, Janelle, that it is so much easier to spiritualize this text and talk about when I'm feeling yes. low and when I'm feeling discouraged that somehow it's a God... It's beautiful story of gratitude yes, because, for being chosen. Because yes. God is going but, to help me. I am going to get my $1,200 stimulus check even though I don't need it. <laughs> I'm going to get it. And it's going to make me feel hopeful again because I'll be able to buy more diapers than I already have. Why can't it just be that? Because I think it's missing something really, really powerful that maybe... Oh. You're good, <laughs> Janelle. You're good. You're good because then you're right. It should just be that. Because then all I have to do is make Jesus that then Jesus isn't concerned about the wealthy and the poor. He's just concerned about my salvation. So I'm taking a superficial look at this? No, is that no, what you're no, saying? no, 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 I'm not. Oh, okay. I am I not. <laughs> but I think, I think it's the idea being that if I can see Jesus as just, he's the one who's going to save me, uh-huh. right? Then I don't have to worry about what's happening down in Mexico. I don't have to worry about what's happening in South America or in Sudan, I don't have to worry about any of that because Jesus is really about just saving me. This whole idea of the poor and the rich and the humble and the proud, uh, come on, that doesn't, that doesn't sell. All right, so it, doesn't it sell with a, if you have a theistic view? Uh, explain. God's intervention. Well, then, oh, God, why'd you bring that up? <laughs> You're going to... Well, that's where I'm coming from. So because I, I then, then this is going to sound so sacrilegious. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. It's heretical. Maybe you shouldn't say it. Well, where in the world has God been for the last two thousand years? Then <laughs> He's been here. Been where? They're still poor. This is still happening. <laughs> what happened in What happened in Rome is still happening today. And 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 we're not. Do, think about it. What are we doing as churches? 
I know I got to calm down. Yeah, calm down. Wow. Oh, yeah. There we go. You need those. <laughs> I got my snicker bar to make me happy again. So while, I, while I'm uh, considering opening my snicker bar, Charity, what, do you, does anyone have a comment on what we're talking about? Uh, so we do have a comment. Yeah. It's saying it is both political and a liberation statement for Mary that strengthened her. So and kind of to where you were saying, like we were raised to believe and in school that all these systems that we have in America, like America is this land of dreams and we all have the same opportunity, right? Well, what this is showing, and I think that the reason why we can relate it so well is that it is showing that these systems of power that are in place have always been in place. And how you are talking about it was a strategic way to keep the poor poor and mm. not allow them to come and get their piece of the pie because that would mean that it was taken away from someone else. Those systems are still in place. Those are the systemic racism that we talk about. Like that's how that gets applied. And those systems are in place, whatever the race is, mm -hmm. in capitalism. It's all about shutting, keeping the poor poor. That is why Walmart makes billions and billions mm -hmm. and Amazon makes billions and billions, right. yet Amazon buys Whole Foods and then takes away the benefits, the health benefits from its employees. Well, Jeff Bezos builds a house on the hill. And it's all part of the system that continues to add to the riches of the rich and continues to separate. And as long as these systems stay the way they are and we don't revolutionize them, that mm -hmm. disparity will get wider and wider rather than narrower. Mary, did you know? <laughs> Stop. No, I mean, seriously, think about it. Did, I mean, again, I don't think Mary literally sang this song, but did Mary understand the implications of how that song would be read by different people, the spirit, spiritualizing it and then trying to look at it within its original context. I mean, one of the things that hits me... If Mary devised the song, she wasn't... I don't think she did. Right. I don't think... No. So that doesn't make sense. It's the author of Luke that... Right. But he wants to have Mary be the one that sings it because Mary is the mother of Jesus and Mary is the one who's going to raise Jesus to be this person who's going to be this revolutionary individual who will bring about uh, the, the bringing together the divide between the uber wealthy and the uber poor. I mean, w when you think about it, I mean, I, oh, I was thinking about that this morning. and Slow down, Pancho. Yeah, my poor, <laughs> my poor wife. I, on the way up here, she, she, we were driving in the car and I was talking and my voice was getting more upright. And she looked at me and she said, are you upset? <laughs> yes, I am upset. <laughs> and the reason I'm upset is because... She dropped you off quickly, didn't she? Yes, she did. <laughs> and she went and got coffee for me. Great. And that made it worse. <laughs> but the, I think the what... The Snickers. It, you need to... Yeah, Snickers. now I need the Snickers. So I think what, what frustrates me is that Christian churches look at this text, and the way that we want to deal with it is... We want to feed the poor. Right. We want to give water to the immigrants that are crossing over. Mm -hmm. We are dealing with a symptom. Not the disease. Not the disease. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not downplaying 
the importance of, of, of dealing with the symptom. That, that's essential. But it's going to keep coming back. They're going to have to keep coming back for more food until you deal with the reason why they're hungry to begin with. Charity. So we, I'm going to actually take these out of order. We have two comments. I'm going to start with one that's just a comment and then direct a question. Please. So we'll start with the comment and then we'll go backwards to the question. God depends on the arms and legs of people to achieve God's desires and wishes as stated by those have defined God's will. So that's the comment. Mm-hmm. And then I was asked to ask you if the author was attempting to establish the strength of Mary in history. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what I'm thinking. Um, we incarnate God every time we do, we live at our values or we love or we have mercy or we have compassion, right? Yes. So expressing our humanity and our divinity I think that makes this so powerful. Yeah. I, I, and so before I build off of what you just said, because I, I have to respond to that. Okay. So read that, one last, that last one again. Was the author attempting to establish the strength of Mary in history? I've never thought of that. See, that's, that's why we need more people asking questions and giving insights because there is so much stuff I just don't know. I am so ignorant in so many areas, but that question is phenomenal. Look how is humble that, you are. Yeah, because someday I'm going to be proud. It's going to flip on me and I get to be the, the, the super ego guy. No, it, I mean, it really, it really is powerful. Is maybe I never thought of that. Maybe the reason that it's attributed to Mary mm-hmm. is they're supposed to realize that Mary is going to instill these principles into her son. Wow. Hey. I mean, that's <clears throat> wow. I'm sorry, I keep saying wow, but that's that's really powerful. That that they that they saw Mary as being this powerful person who, as Jesus was being raised, instilled... Because I think so often it's easy to think that, that this was just between God and Jesus, mm-hmm. and we forget the influence that Mary had on this young boy's life. Right. And, man, that's good. So going back to what you said, so tell that person thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate your comment. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> One individual wrote this, and I, I had a hard time with it, but, and it ties back to what you were saying, Janelle. What? Mary's Magnificat mm-hmm. rather praises the God who opposes such social, political, and economic exploitation of the humble and hungry for the benefit of the arrogant and wealthy. I, I, you know, that's what beautiful words to say, right? Mm-hmm. She praises God who opposes this. But mm-hmm. my thing that frustrated me this morning was, do I oppose it? Because, you know, I made the comment earlier, what, for the last 2,000 years, what has God done? And then you said it, that we are, and this, this person texted it, that we are 
that. We, if, if we see God as theistic and way up there and then God's right, going to mess with it. Right, and intervening. But if instead we see that God and humanity and God and the world are so intertwined together. Yeah, you talk about this all the time in your sermon. Then it's us has, who has to do something, which means yes. that we need to consider as churches doing more than just treating the symptom. Mm-hmm. Because I, on the way here, I, was asked, I thought about this. I said, you know, what if, if I saved $700 a month and, and sent it away to help the poor? Yeah. Guess what? It ain't going to make a difference. Because they'll still be poor. Well, it depends on what you're sending. They're still going to be poor. Well, maybe because they're this, educating them. Because the system is creating the problem to keep them poor. Oh, yes. That's so true. what if, however... This is purely what if. I'm not teaching this. I'm not promoting this. This is not Church of the Beatitudes. Anyway. <laughs> but what if churches la, 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 la. said, we need to stand up and demand that we, as a society, we take and increase our taxes so that people who are poor have opportunities, that they have health care, that they go to quality schools, that those who have the money, they can go to certain schools. Those who are poor, they're stuck with the resources at their local school, which don't have as many as those who are wealthy and are promoting their school. What if we were able to say that you too can shop and buy healthy food rather than having to buy McDonald's because that's all you can afford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I'm saying is, is if we really wanted to take Mary's song, yeah, we're dealing with some changes that would affect not only what we do individually, but what we promote politically. Okay. That works. I don't know. Well, I don't know. What would happen if a minister stood up one, one Sunday and said, folks, oh, God, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> folks, God has revealed to me that he wants us to pay more taxes to help the poor. <laughs> now, I'm just asking the question. It doesn't mean I believe it, and I'm never going to do it. I'm looking in the camera. You're not going to hear me preach that, so please don't, <laughs> don't, don't get me in trouble. But do you see what I'm saying? Unless we come up with creative ways to bring about this reversal, then all this song is going to be is just that, a song that makes people feel good. Enough of my rants. Okay. And so poetry has no place? Like, oh, the beautiful... Good song that this is yes it does janelle and you what you just said again made me go wow i something i didn't see you're right maybe that's why it's a song right same as the psalms yeah but i mean seriously when you hear the magnificent played Mm. maybe you're supposed to be maybe it's supposed to touch us emotionally Yes. In a very... That's what I'm saying. And bypass... Wow. And bypass our conscious thinking of it and wanting to spiritualize it and speak to us in our subconscious in a way, yeah, in our hearts, 
in a way that might encourage us to truly take steps and be imaginative and creative in how we can flip this. Right. So that there is equality, so that what Mary sang about becomes a reality. And I think that motivation from an emotional sense kind of can work both ways. Mm-hmm. Because from the poor perspective, it gives you something to hold on to and it gets you through the next hour and the next day and the next meal missed. But then that drive leads you to the next step, which is trying to do something about it from that end. But then it's also, it's clearly as much as you like to stay away from kind of the emotional side of it and look at the academic side of it, <laughs> it's causing some emotions in you oh, from yeah. the other direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it can work both ways. So a lot of times the ones that are at that top, they're afraid of it. And so their emotion goes to fear. Yes. Whereas your emotion is leading you to self-reflection, which is the more positive way to handle that. But that's why we see, I think, a lot of the, particularly as this article had said, the white evangelicals that are in power and that are rich, they don't want to even touch this. They don't even go near it because they don't want to have, they get the fear from it. And so they try to avoid it rather right. than trying to look at what they can do about it. You know, I, I, Karen and I, my wife and I, we got married at a very young age um, in order for, for me to go to college. And then from there, we had our first child right before I went to seminary. Mm-hmm. And while we were in seminary, I was working full-time, I mean, I'm sorry, going to school full-time, working Mm part-time, and we still weren't making enough money. Right. And so we were looking at getting a job for my wife part-time. Okay. And both of our sets of parents said to us, no. Don't do that. If Karen wants to stay home, we will send you money. Nice. And help you. So for two years... Mm Mm-hmm we had income from our parents so that Karen could stay home and raise her child. We had a support system. Yeah. We were poor, Mm -hmm. but not in poverty. Right. That's what I think Mary's song is about. Communal. Yes. We have to do what they imagined God being able to do. Yeah. That's our job. That's our responsibility. That's what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus. And it's more than just dressing it on a symptomatic level. It's truly beginning to ponder and reflect inside of ourselves and emotionally linking and understanding why am I afraid of this scarcity, this idea that if I, I never will have enough. Those, those are internal questions that we have to reflect upon and then think about how can we bring about this sense of community. And live out divinity. Ooh, damn, you nailed that one. <laughs> Say that one more time. And live out our no, divinity. No, no, what was the, my, my line before that? Because it rhymed. <laughs> and now I can't remember it. Did it? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. We should go. <laughs> we need to replay that. <laughs> we should go into an act together, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's going to watch that? <laughs> <laughs> Any closing thoughts, Charity? So I'm going to take a closing thought from this article. I actually really kind of caught my attention when I found it. Mm. It might not feel like good news to me exactly as someone who is neither hungry nor poor, but Mary and her song are good news for my neighbors, both locally and globally, who continue to be crushed under a world that thrives on exploitation and injustice. Mm. And as someone who is trying to take the Bible seriously, I know that loving my neighbor is the number one way I can love God in our world. Mm. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Living out the divinity. Anything other than that you would want to add? Nope. Nope. That's it. We have one closing comment. Please. Our church has its mission caring, hearing, rejoicing, inviting, serving, teaching, Christ. Our ongoing challenge is to define actions in each initiative, the arms and legs of God. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I wish they hadn't, you hadn't read that to me. <laughs> oh, I was getting ready to close her down. But, <laughs> but don't you feel better? Yeah, but I got a reply to that. Okay. Here we go. I, the reason I believe so much in... Uh, the reason I believe so much in Church of the Beatitudes is it's about rethinking God mm-hmm. in the 21st century. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not wiping out God. Right. It's about rethinking God. And it's about rethinking humanity. And if we do those things... Mm-hmm. It's transformative. It Fair. truly, I, I know this. I have experienced it in my life. Mm-hmm. I have thoughts and feelings that I didn't have before this shift took place in my life. Mm-hmm. And when it took place, it, it was life-altering. And that's what I think Beatitudes is about, and then we trust the Spirit to, as it transforms, as people in their introspection, as they're transformed, that they're going to go out and live a life that is empowering themselves and does what you just described. That's what Beatitudes is about. So that people will go, okay, how do I go out and get involved in the community? And maybe person A does it this way, and person B does it this way, and person C does it this way. Mm-hmm. We need, as a church of the Beatitudes, to focus on what we can do that no one else can. No other nonprofit can do what we can do, and that is to talk about God and talk about humanity and talk about the Bible in a way that is life-altering. Sorry, dang. <laughs> I, this, just, this is when I get emotional because... This is what can make a difference in our world. Yay, us. No, but that we need to. <laughs> but then so it, you've gone away from the humble side and we're flipping. Yes. <laughs> no, but then it's, then it's, then it's taking and it's, this, the, it's like cells and they break apart and then other, and then it just keeps on multiplying. That's what, to me, this is what Jesus was about. That's why Jesus could talk about God in ways that other people go and say what? 
You know what I mean? They could do that because Jesus was saying things about people. He was treating people in ways. Jesus didn't start any ministries. Right. Right? But we can talk all about this, but we have to actually live it out. But you live it out because it's changing you. And it's when it changes you, you don't have to live it out. It's just who you are. You don't, you, you don't, it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. It's just you do it. It's just like my hair. They know not to grow. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, it just happens, <laughs> right? right? It just happens. My hair knows you don't grow, we don't grow more for Tony. Okay. And it's the same way. This is how we act out <laughs> our lives. But I also think that we need to, we can't take away from intentionality. Because like top lane systems and things like that, those are intentional choices. That's intentionally buying from a local bookstore instead of Amazon. But it's that's it, intentionally making choices yeah, every day th- yes, to change yes. easy. Yeah. But that is each person doing it intentionally, and that's the value of in community because then they come together mm-hmm. and they say, This is what I'm doing, and they say this is what I'm doing, and we don't shame each other. Amen. Because you're not doing what I'm not doing, and I'm not doing... Instead, <laughs> right. we just share. Look, this is what I do. This is how I'm living out my life. And someone sits there and goes, wow, I never thought of that. Instead of saying, you buy from Amazon? Right. That's, I, I, no, right. it's... Whew, I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> I am physically and emotionally exhausted. Drained. And I'm telling you what, it's, it's because of the power of the Bible. I'm sorry, but, you know, yes. liberal people, get back to the Bible. Read it, because it changes us. It, 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 oh, all right. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> I don't know how else to close it. Um, thank you so much for joining yes. us. Um, I apologize if I got a little uh, too overworked up, but I, I so believe in, in what what Jesus stood for. I, I truly do. I mean, it, it's just amazing to me. And I believe it makes a difference, and it can make a difference in our world. So I encourage you to come back um, and either listen to our other podcast, if you haven't listened to the prior two. We'll be doing this one other time, and then we're considering having Beatitudes Radio come back uh, during the sea- this spring and yes. looking at the topics of uh, the, such as Lent and Monday, Thursday, Fat Tuesday, all those things. So wow. that's another possibility we're Great. looking at. Yep. So thank you again for your time. And please, please stay safe out there, especially if you're in Arizona. Mask up, that's keep bad. physical distancing, and please make love real for someone else and our earth. <laughs> <laughs>